You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Good morning, Midtown family. Great to be together this morning. God is so worthy of our time and our worship this morning, so I'm glad to worship Him with you. And do thank you, Jimmy, for being a great leader for our GO team. Excited about the things that we have coming up, so thank you for that. If you are visiting with us this morning, my name is Justin. I serve as associate pastor here at Midtown Church. We'd love to meet you afterward if I haven't met you uh, yet. And so let's make sure we do that. We'd love to meet you. Uh, before we get started, I did want to give uh, just a big thank you uh, to, our, to our church. Um, some of you guys heard that uh, this week uh, Brenda's uh, mother passed away. And uh, we've had so many friends, and our friends here in this church have been really faithful at texting us, and sending us flowers, giving us meals, caring for us. And so we just wanted to say that we appreciate your prayers and support. We continue to need them. Uh, she's going to be a great, uh, to, great memorial on Friday to remember her godly life and, and all the influence that she had. So it's great to have a family to support, and that's what we really are. When we say we're a spiritual family, I can just say that we've, we've really felt that. So thank you very much. Um, even though it has been a tough week, I am excited, though, to, to wrap up our Why We Worship series. We've been talking about what are the reasons, the why we actually worship. And if you're with us in week one, we said the first reason why we worship, you could list more than three. We could have done these sermons forever, but we're just doing three. The first one is that we worship because God is worthy of our worship. And we looked at a psalm, how God is our creator, and he created everything in the whole world. And as much as he knows every single star by name, he knows us by name as well. And as God is our creator, it's fitting and it's right for us to give him the worship. He's worthy of it. And then last week, we looked at another reason that we, why we worship is we worship out of gratitude, real specifically out of gratitude by what Jesus has done for us and the mercy that he's given us, the forgiveness he's offered us by Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. But then our gratitude into how merciful he's been to us, we respond back with worship and gratitude. And today, we're going to talk about a third reason why we worship. And we're going to talk about the third reason I'm going to say is that we worship so that we can experience God personally and so we can experience God together, how we can experience God personally, and then how we can experience God together. Before I jump into it, though, um, I'd like to ask if you would stand for the, the reading of God's Word and the main passage we'll be starting with. From Colossians 3, uh, 15 through 17. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom with psalms, with hymns, with songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Amen. Y'all can be seated. Now, I want to start by saying, first, worship can be so much more than singing. But what I want to particularly talk about today is the impact that actually singing, that part of our worship, how that impacts us. Because there's something very particular about music. You know it. You know it intrinsically. You feel it that music does something. There's a way of music that connects sometimes our head to our heart in ways that nothing else can. And I really believe that God has created us this way, so worship and the singing part of our worship is a very instrumental way that God uses us to connect our hearts with His heart. And you know this to be true, right? Like, imagine, imagine like watching a movie with no sound. It would be pretty rough, right? It would be a pretty rough movie. Like, you know that the sound and the soundtrack accompanies things to make a movie come alive. Like, you know that when Jack and uh, Rose are together on the front of the Titanic, and he's saying, open my eyes, it just, open your eyes, rather, it's not the same if Celine Dion isn't belting out 
My heart must go on, right? You know, you know how they played with you when, you, when you're watching that movie. Or, or consider the Rocky series. Like, how many of you guys would even want to watch the Rocky series if, if there wasn't, like, a workout montage? Like, you need that scene. That's the best part of the whole movie. If it wasn't there, you wouldn't want to watch it because you need to get pumped up and work out. Well, speaking of workouts, how many of you, raise your hands, if you have a workout playlist on your phone? Come on, that's more than half of us, right? You know it because you know that sometimes you need that music to get you going and fuel you, fuel you, you know, get you through that workout, make you run as hard as you can, work out as hard as you can. You know intrinsically that music makes a difference when you're working out. To show my age, this will age me a bit, when Brenda and I were dating, one of the ways that I tried to woo her was I, I created a, a cassette tape playlist of all these songs, yes, cassette tapes. You all remember what those are? We actually just bought our, our first car that doesn't have a cassette tape. That's how old all of our cars are. But I was trying to woo her and put together this perfect playlist that would just make her really want to be with me. Unfortunately, what happened is I actually gave her the, the cassette tape on the same week that her cat Mona, we had to put Mona to sleep. And now every time we hear one of those songs that I just painstakingly put together to show my love, she thinks of a dead cat. And it just, it just didn't, didn't work out well. You know this is true, right? Or maybe put it this way, have you ever been to a concert where the music was so alive and the, it was just heavy in the atmosphere and you kind of felt like in the moment you were one with the band or you were one with the audience and everyone was there together? Like you've probably felt those. We had some technical difficulties, so we're gonna hope that this works, but I wanted to show you a moment where people felt like that, if we can play this one. Let's see, Lord, let it work. very different. You would have been in a moment, you would have felt that, you would have jumped in just as much as everyone else was there because there's something about music that moves us. And particularly the point I'm going to argue today, there's something about music when you're with others and experiencing it together that moves our hearts. And increasingly, there's actually science behind this fact that music moves us and communicates to us in a different way that actually, actually has effects on our brains and our emotions. I did a little research on it this week and I found one scientific study where the author said this, Perhaps the primary reason for music listening is the power that music has in stirring our emotions. Music has been reported to evoke a full range of human emotion, from sad, nostalgic, to tense, to happy, relaxed, calm, and joyous. Correspondingly, neuroimaging studies have shown that music can activate the brain's typical areas typically associated with emotions. Deep brain structures are part of the pleasure associated with music listening. The relationship between music listening and our brain pathway is what gives us those chills that many people report when experiencing 
uh, during music listening. Chills are the psychological sensation, like hairs being raised on your arm, the experience of shivers down your spine that accompany intense peak emotional experiences. I'm sure most of you here have had that kind of experience where something's literally happening physiologically as you worship or as you're in an environment with other people. Or less scientific, but one concert pianist wrote it this way. He said, from, uh, from a simple lonely melody to an intricate sonata, sometimes it feels like music can speak directly to your heart in a language you do not know, but your emotions understand. And that's because music is a language, a language of emotion. And I mean that literally. Music has structure, progression, and syntax, just like language. The brain even processes musical syntax using the same area that it uses to process language syntax. Music is like a different language to our soul. So why am I telling you this? It's because worship will help you experience God in ways that you cannot without it. And if you know, like one of the stated goals of our, our gatherings on Sunday morning is that you would experience God's love as we worship together. And we want to experience God's love. And I'm telling you, there's something that happens when a group of people worship and pour out their hearts to God that can't happen any other way. There's a theological term for it. You might call it, it's called the manifest presence of God. God's manifest presence is different from his omnipresence. His omnipresence is the fact that God is everywhere at all times. God is everywhere. In fact, God can be omnipresent and you not even recognize it. But the manifest presence of God, it's different. It's when his nearness is made known to us in a very clear and convincing way. It's when his experience is nearness. At times when the Holy Spirit manifests himself to us, his presence, and our theological knowledge becomes experiential knowledge. And the place where that most commonly happens is in the place of corporate worship. When I think about corporate worship, one of the things I really love to do is go back to the Old Testament and think about how painstakingly David and Solomon worked to get a place of 24-hour worship and prayer, David with the tabernacle and later Solomon with the temple. And it was David's heart as a worship leader to gather all the people of God and to continually praise his name. You can read about it in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. I'll read a couple of verses here. He, David, it says, appointed some Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to extol and thank and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, and next to him were a lot of other people with weird names. They were to play the lyres and harps. Asaph was to sound the cymbals, and Benaniah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow the trumpets regularly before the ark of the covenant. That day, David appointed Asaph and his associates to give praise to the Lord in this manner. Give praise to the Lord, proclaim his name, Make known among the nations what he's done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. David was a man after God's own heart because he loved the place of worship. That's why he got so many wonderful psalms. And in so many of those psalms, he's actually talking about how I long to go to the house of the Lord. I long to go to this tabernacle. I set this place up for 24-hour worship and prayer, and that's where I want to feel the manifest presence of God. David wanted to be there so bad. And then Solomon, who got appointed to build a temple after him, when the temple was anointed, they actually hear the story of God's manifest presence coming down upon the temple on the day that it was com uh, committed to him. You read about this in Second Chronicles chapter 7. When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. 
the priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good, his love endures forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord and the king Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 head of cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. So the king and all the people dedicated the temple of God. And then the priests took their positions as the Levites with their musical instruments, which King David had made for praising the Lord and which were used to give thanks, saying continually, his love endures forever. There in that place of worship on that occasion when the gathered people of Israel came to dedicate this temple and give their sacrifice before God, God's presence showed up in such a way that it just blew them away. And their instinct was just to bow down and fall to the ground and give glory to God. But what did they say? They said that they saw that his love endured forever, that he is good and his love endures forever. This encounter with the manifest presence of God caused them to worship God for his love. They experienced the love of God in a unique way. It's his manifest presence. And after that, they sent the people that David had appointed, the same group of families, Kim, to continue that 24-hour worship. And what were they supposed to say as they started their worship? His love endures forever. So why do we worship? One reason really is to personally experience the love of God and his presence in our lives. I like to phrase it this way. I've said it before. Sometimes we have to sing our way into belief. We may very well know about the love of God in our heads. We may recite theological truths and know things up here, but we've got to get it from our head to our heart. And one of the most powerful ways that God will bring that home is by giving you a manifest presence experience of the love of God in your life. And one of the primary ways, not the only way, which I'll state in a moment, is when you're in a place of worship, particularly worshiping with other people. I love how Romans 8, when Paul's talking about the spirit-filled life, and in Romans chapter 8, he says that the spirit of God, his spirit testifies with our spirit that we're sons of God. And what we need and what we find most readily in a place of worship is that opportunity for God's spirit to testify to your spirit of your sonship, your daughtership, his immense love for you and bringing you in his family. That's why we worship. We want to experience God that way. Before I move on to the second point that I'd like to spend a little bit more time on, I want to make a couple quick concessions so you don't hear what I'm not saying. One, I'm not saying that we can't experience God's love in any other way. That's not true. There's lots of ways that we can experience God's love. Worship is just one way, but a very powerful way. Second, I'm not saying that you should expect to experience God's love and presence the same way that other people do. I've seen a lot of damage happen when someone feels like they've had an encounter with the presence of God and the other person feels like they have to expect it and they start comparing themselves. I'm not saying that we should do that. I'm also not saying that we should expect to experience God's love and presence every single time that we worship because it doesn't happen every single time. It happens often, but it doesn't happen every time. And God might, in his sovereign purposes, actually have you in a dry season because he's trying to produce something else in you. That's all very possible. And the last thing that I'll say, and this is where I feel like it's a slippery slope, is I'm not saying that we should be experienced seekers. Like we're just trying to seek all these experiences with God. But at the same time, I want to tell you, you should seek experiences with God. <laughs> like you want to experience his love. So I'm trying to tell you there's a very slippery slope. And I've seen some people and even some movements within the, the Christian community that have gone to the far extreme of seeking these experiences that they fall down a kind of a slippery slope. But I also would say that's not the stream of the body of Christ that we run in. And so for us as a church, I would actually challenge us to seek these experiences with God. 
to seek an opportunity for God to demonstrate and let his spirit testify to your spirit that you're a son, that you're a daughter, that he loves you. And I believe that that can take place best in the place of worship, particularly corporate worship, which brings me to my second point. If we are to create an atmosphere where we can experience God's love this way, we need each other. We need each other. And so we want to experience God's love personally, but we want to experience God together. And that's the purpose of corporate worship. The gathering for the communion of saints is that unique place where people from all different backgrounds and people, but because of our united faith in Jesus, come together on a Sunday morning to lift the name of Jesus high and declare the one who is worthy of our praise. That's the place where we can create a space for God to minister to all of us. And it's in the corporate place that God's manifest presence can most often come. Let me ask you a question. How many of you guys went to like a sporting event um, during COVID? Like when you had to get like 25%, you know, and you're just like, didn't it feel weird? Like it's just, it's so weird. You're at a sporting event and like, just, yeah, you can't hear, the crowd's not there. It's not, you know, it just doesn't feel the same because that's something within us. I believe that God has created us in a way where when we're in the communion of saints or when we're with a group of people or when we're with our sports fans that are all gathered together, cheering and wanting the same thing, momentum builds upon itself. Sean's gonna love this because when I think about um, the sporting event, I think about this one, y'all know about the beast mode or the beast quake? That there was a run by Marshawn Lynch that when the crowd, when the play actually happened, it literally caused an earthquake. Like there was activity that happened from it. Let's just watch it just for fun. When the Saints have the ball. Oh, look at this run. What a run. Marshawn Lynch still on his feet. Has blockers now. He's dancing his way for the touchdown. That literally registered on the Richter scale, (laughs) that crowd on that play. And I can tell you, it was fun. I watched it from my couch, and it was actually really fun to watch. I was probably cheering. But do you think my experience on my couch was anything like the experience of being there in person? Not even close. And I'm here to say that there's a difference between personal worship and corporate worship. And it doesn't mean that you can't experience God in a unique way as you spend time on my porch, like I do sometimes, just listening to worship music. Or, God willing, if Brenda's out of the house, I can sing out loud and sing on my own. Like, I do that too, and that's good for my soul. But there's something radically different in the communion of saints that are all lifting up their corporate body in worship. Something different can happen, and it creates the kind of atmosphere for, for which we can experience the manifest presence of God. Now, I want to show you a verse, the verses that we read at the start, that I really hope will actually completely change the way that you think about corporate worship. Let's go back to Colossians 3. And if you can, I think, um, uh, guys, on the slides, when it goes to the second one, you can just go back to the first one, because those are the main verses we'll look at. But let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So Paul starts off in verse 15, reminding them of their oneness that they have in Christ, that they should have that oneness toward one another. They should start by being thankful. And then he's going to tell them how to worship. How he tells them, how are you going to let this gospel dwell in among you richly? How are you going to do it? You're going to do it by singing. You're actually singing. 
you might think, and you typically, I think in your head, you probably think, well, this is the part of the service during the sermon where we're getting teaching and admonishment. You'd be right, but that's not the full picture. What he's saying here is the teaching and admonishment continues as we worship, teaching and admonishing each other. How? With songs, with hymns, with spiritual songs, singing from your spirit. Like that's what happens. And I, I think if you really believe this, like if you really believe that part of your worship here is not just an experience for you, but an experience for each other, and that your voice contributes to the impact and the opportunity for God to minister to everyone else here, you'd think about worship really differently. I believe that if you thought that singing is a part of teaching and admonishing one another, it would be, you'd probably think about skipping church a little bit differently. Because you realize that when I skip church, other people are affected by it. Now, I know there's plenty of reasonable reasons to miss, you know, coming to worship on a Sunday. People are traveling, they're on vacation, sometimes you're sick. Some years there's COVID, good grief. But more often than not, what I find is when people wake up in the morning, they're making their decision as to whether they feel like coming to worship or not. It's very much about them. Like, I need a break, or uh, I just need some rest, or I need to sleep, or I'm feeling antisocial. I, 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 I. But if you look at worship and you think that your absence actually impacts the corporate worship, you might think about things differently. That's the way we should think about worshiping together on Sundays. Secondly, if you believe that singing is a part of your teaching and admonishing each other as we gather, then you'd come to worship for others and not just for yourself. In our very consumeristic kind of way of being Americans and even in the church, we sometimes think, well, I want to go to church because I just need something today. I need something for me. And as much as that's good, and you do need to experience God's love, I already tried to make that point, we do want that for you. But how different would it be if you thought on Sunday mornings, I want to meet with God today and experience his love, and I want to help others meet with God and experience his love by contributing my voice to the gathering of the saints. Or if you believe that singing is a part of how we teach and admonish one another, then I think you would bring more of yourself to worship. Because your sacrifice of worship, what's going on in your heart affects the environment of everyone else. I've seen it so many times in my life. Uh, some of y'all know I did campus renewal at UT for, for years, and we actually had a campus house of prayer where, where for, we had 24-7 prayer. Some years we had about 100 hours a week where students were just in and out of this building, worshiping and praying. And every time I would see one person just genuinely pouring out their heart to God and worship, it would affect the others that were in that gathering and in that prayer gathering. And I've been in corporate settings where just 10, 15, 20 people, you can just tell they're, they're there to seek God and worship him. And that becomes contagious and their faith bleeds into my faith and I start crying out. It's something about the way that God created us. If you really believed that you're teaching and admonishing one another is part of how we encourage each other, then you would bring your all to worship because it would affect all of us. When I was working with Campus Renewal, we did an annual event every year called Res Week, uh, short for Resurrection Week. It was a really fun week where all the different campus ministries and churches would cancel all of their weekly events that they had that week so that we could unite in worship and prayer and outreach 24 hours a day. We had a 24-hour prayer tent that actually was filled 24 hours a day during those days. We had free coffee and cocoa and tea uh, served 24 hours a day. And we had people doing outreach and starting conversations. It was just a beautiful, beautiful week. And then every night we'd gather for corporate worship. And I would say that some of my best experiences of worship and feeling the manifest presence of God and the corporate nature of the saints singing to God came during Res Week. 
Maybe it was because of the impact of having just the whole body of Christ. I'm sure that's part of it too, but it was just the, 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 the singing of all those voices. And I remember one year in particular where like the band tried to end the song, but the crowd wouldn't let them. <laughs> like they just kept carrying the tune. We're like, no, nah, we're not done yet. Like, no, we are gonna keep worshiping God. I was able to contact one of the students that was part of our ministry who actually had that clip. And so we wanna show you uh, that clip. I know this is somewhat of a uh, had to be there moment, but hopefully it will translate. super special night. I don't remember who was teaching. I don't remember who spoke, what they spoke about, but I remember the teaching and the admonishment was the worship of the saints. It was gathering around people that were pouring out, as the song said, their everything to God. And it was the, the corporate sacrifice of that everything that just created uh, what I like to call an Ephesians 5 kind of moment. If you go to Ephesians 5, you're going to see this isn't just in Colossians. This is what Paul talked about worship was. He said, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, there's both a vertical and a horizontal component. I kind of highlighted them there, but you sing to the Lord. That's vertical. Yes, when we worship, we're worshiping God. But I'm trying to convince you today that when you worship God vertically, there's a horizontal component that's happening as well. You speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, songs from the Spirit, and that's going to create the gratitude. You might have thought it was funny if you happened to look at your connection card and you saw why we worship is the sermon series, and then the answer being for each other. Like, that probably didn't make sense, but I sure hope it does now. One of the hardest parts of the last 17 months, honestly, has been uh, missing the opportunity to worship together fully as a spiritual family. For 17 months, we sorely missed the horizontal part of our worship and the experience that we can have together. Now, please, 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 please don't mis misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not trying to create this as some challenge to anyone who, for their own good reasons and convictions, has chosen to worship via Zoom. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not trying to guilt anyone. What I'm trying to do is just draw attention to exactly what we've missed. And I want us to grieve that. Like, that's something, that opportunity that we've had to have all of our voices as part of our church 
all the voices contributing. We've not had that in 17 months. And that, that hurts. We should grieve that and we should long for the day that we can all come back together again and pray that we would have it. But I want us to just understand that there's something that's missing because that's how God intended worship to be. The corporate, the communion of the saints that draws us to experience the life and the love of God. One of the things that you're going to hear about in coming weeks and maybe even visually see on Sunday mornings is we're making a really strong effort as best we can in this next season to really make our, our, our setting here more reverent here um, at Midtown. We've done a little bit of that by the standing for the reading of God's Word. That's, that's new the last couple of weeks that we've done. We're going to try to make some changes with some of the decor and stuff in here as we're able. Um, unfortunately, COVID, and you don't know this, but a bunch of boxes that are directly behind this curtain have made it hard for us to uh, rebuild our worship team. But we've got students coming back, and we're going to continue to build our worship team. We're making those changes to try to make this be a better place of worship where we can experience God's love together. But you know what's more important than all the little things that we could do? Is that you would bring your everything. Like if you would bring your heart ready to worship, it doesn't matter what's around here. All the changes that we're going to make, they're, they're, they're important, but nothing is more important than you bringing as much as you have. Now, you know that we're a casual church, and as a casual church, we, we, we like that. That's why there's lots of, you know, greeting. I think hospitality is our strength. We're not going away from that. We're going to become like some high church but we're gonna to try to make this space more, more reverent and worship God. And we're gonna to continue to be hospitable. In fact, that kind of worship where we are all seeking God, it's actually attractive to seekers because people will realize that God is amongst us and they too will feel the presence of God. I know during Res Week, uh, one of the things that would happen every year, we'd have that crowd out there, hundreds of students just worshiping and there'd always be like someone standing off on the side, like pretty far away, just watching it. And we, one of the things that we did, they didn't know about is we actually had undercover uh, outreach people. And so their role was when you see someone standing back there just watching, their role was just to walk up to them and say, hey, man, what do you think? That was their question. And I'm telling you, the conversations that came from that when people's hearts were just arrested by watching what God was doing, like that can happen in our midst as a church. And I'm sure it has happened in our midst. And I want that for us. There was a guy actually who was part of our church that since moved who actually, he told me his story uh, early on when I just came on staff with Midtown. And he said, oh, you're that Resweek guy, right? He said, one day I was actually, you know, how one of the things I studied about the science of um, music is it actually also nostalgia, like it can bring you back. Like maybe it's a, an awkward seventh grade year or it's, a, or it's a breakup or it's something with your family. You know, just one song, you're like, oh, I feel that again. Well, outside of this house of prayer, he sat down on a bench outside of it, and he heard a song that he used to sing when he was walking with the Lord in high school. And he had walked away from the Lord at UT, and then he just immediately wept and gave his heart back to the Lord. Because our worship and the God's presence that heavy upon us can be a witness to the world. My friend John Newton, who's now an Episcopal priest, he was walking by Resweek one year, and he said right as he was, he was just trying to go to the gym, and he just, right as he got to the door of the gym, he just felt like the Spirit say, John, you are focused too much on your career and your selfish ambition. And he said right then he went back to church and he started studying to become a priest. Now he's an Episcopal priest because the conviction that fell upon him when they were in the manifest presence of God. We're in a new season as a church and one of the things that we're praying for is our Sunday mornings to become more reverent. And we're praying that God's manifest presence would be experienced on Sunday mornings as we worship with excellence. We want to see our vertical worship overflow to horizontal worship that allows us all to experience God personally and experience God together. 
I'd like to close by just suggesting a few things that I think would help us uh, do that and prepare your own way. First would be to prepare your own heart before you come to worship on a Sunday. Don't come to worship cold, as I call it. Like spend a little bit of time with God privately before you come on Sunday. This gives you a chance to kind of center your heart and, and, and refix your mind on why you're coming to worship with us this morning. Spend that time maybe praying for our church, praying for the place and the people that you're coming to see. I find that if you've actually had like a, I call it a pregame stretch, you're going to be ready to go when you get here because you've already prepared your heart. Second thing, sorry, I got to say it, arrive early. <laughs> Discipline yourself to arrive early <laughs> um, or at the very least, arrive on time. Um, the, 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 the trickling in can be kind of a distraction to our first worship set, and they won't say it, so I'll say it for them. It's also discouraging for the worship leaders to, to see people talking or hanging out or not ready to just engage. And so I would encourage us to, to do better on getting here on time. One of the things I love about our church, like I said, is we're so familial. We love to talk and chat with each other. And I've got good news. We're actually, next week, we're going to bring back the break. Some of y'all who are old, new to Midtown, yeah. <laughs> So COVID took away our break. If you're new to Midtown, what we used to do is we'd sing a couple songs, do some announcements, and then we would take a five-minute break. And that's your time to connect with people, meet someone new, say hi, greet someone. And then uh, I want to encourage you guys that, that come ready for worship. Arrive on time and be ready to worship right from the get-go. Third thing I'd say is, is to sing, sing with us. The horizontal part of worship doesn't take place when we can't hear your voices. And so I know some of us are uncomfortable singing or maybe don't like the sound of, our, of your own voice, but God made that voice and he's honored when you sing a song. If it's a new one, sure, get used to it, get the feel of it, but once you figure out how it, how it rolls, join us, like contribute your voices. Uh, there's something that happens when you sing that creates a pathway to your heart and we need that from everyone. Fourth thing I would suggest is that you change your posture. I know this might be a stretch for some of us, um, and I'm not going to put any pressure on anyone to do things, but something really happens when you raise your hands, when you open your hands, when you get on your knees, when you close your eyes. There's different things that you can do that in God's wisdom, He has created somehow to create a pathway to your heart. And so I know some of you have maybe done that more regularly in other settings or other churches, and so if you have before, like, do that. We want that. And if you haven't done that, it's less, less comfortable for you just... Listen to the Spirit, and if you feel Him nudging you to do something, I would challenge you uh, to do it when the Spirit prompts. I'd ask you to consider these four things. I think it will contribute to the communion of the saints, the type of singing that teaches and admonishes everyone as we worship. Let's all contribute to the worship here so we can experience the love of God together as a church. Let me pray for us, and then we'll have communion. God, we do thank you. There's so many more reasons why we could worship, but this really is one. We worship because we want to experience your love personally. We want to experience your presence and your love together. And so we ask that you would be present among us, even as we give our hearts to worship in these next songs. We pray as a church, God, that we would experience your manifest presence and your spirit testifying to our spirits that we are sons and daughters of God. Do that in our church in this new season especially, we ask. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.